It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. Mr. My family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Hey guys, it's Pete to talk about all the events coming up. Next up, we have August 13th through the 15th for Seminar in Wichita Falls, then October 15th through the 17th, and then December 10th through the 12th to round out 2021's seminar schedule. For camps coming up, we do have some spots left for our coaching camp covering the squat and the deadlift in Orlando. That's this weekend, June 27th on Sunday. And we have a couple self-sufficient lifter camps on the list, July 10th, September 11th, both of those in Wichita Falls, both covering the squat press deadlift, how to film yourself, and how to diagnose your own technique. We've just added a deadlift and power clean camp to the list in Moodus, Connecticut. That's at Anino Strength and Conditioning in Central Connecticut. That'll be on July 31st. Then July 17th, we have a squat and deadlift camp in Oklahoma City at Starting Strength Oklahoma City. And that's going to be run by the hip shifter himself, Chase Lindley. And then finally, rounding out camps, we have our Olympic lifting camp covering the snatch and the clean and jerk. That'll be on September 18th in Denver at Starting Strength Denver, and that'll be run by Rip and Nick. For meets coming up, Testify Strength and Conditioning running their usual USA weightlifting meets in Omaha. Still have some spots left for our classic Olympic lifting meet in Wichita Falls covering the clean and press, the clean and jerk, and the snatch. That's on July 24th. And then the Charity Strong Woman event, the Charm City Strong Woman in Baltimore on September 12th, raising money for the Almond House and put on by 5x3 Training. Starting Strength Gyms are looking for talent, and if you know you'd like to coach, then head over to startingstrengthgyms.com and check out the coaching tab. I was just talking to my buddy Ray Gillenwater of Starting Strength Gyms recently, and we felt very strongly that we needed to get matching tattoos. So once we decide that, we'll let you guys know what exactly we came up with to show our unbreakable bond. And as usual, for more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet. Ladies and gentlemen, starting strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday. So we're going to do a Q&A today. Because you insisted on it because you sent in your questions and we thought well these aren't that good but they're the only ones we've got so we'll read them but first comments, comments. From, from the heaters everybody's favorite part of the show comments from the haters and here's a good example $10 a month? Freaking hysterical. Good luck with that. Maybe someone will pay it. <laughs> a few people. How many we up to now? A few people. Got about like, 500. Like 80. What, 80? Like 80, yeah. 75? Yeah, 80. We're struggling. Hurting. Or he's getting fired now. 
Well, yeah, she's guys, not getting fired. She's getting laid off. That's laid a different. Off. That's a different deal. Well, let's fire her anyways. Well, lay her off and then fire her. Lay her off, and then when we get like to 90 subscribers and can hire her back, then we'll fire her. Layoff's a way to avoid unemployment, I guess, right? No, you can get unemployment when you're laid off. Yeah, that's what it's for. Right. You know? So what's, yeah, who knows? I guess it's just like we're not mad at you. We just can't afford you, Bree. Yeah, it's not a it, when you're no when you're laid feelings. off. You just you there's it's not you know you, it's, it's, me. it's the money. It's not you. When it's you're me. fired, it's it's you. Right. Right. So unless we get to a hundred, right, we get to a hundred. We Bree is going to get laid off. All right. So those of you that don't want Bree laid off, sign up. It's only seventy five dollars a year. Or ten dollars a month. If or ten dollars a month, check. according to this fucking moron. You live paycheck right? to paycheck, ten bucks a month. I mean, yeah. Add it to this There's, rotation. You got ten dollars a month, and you're in the you know floor Look, of your car. They pay right? Netflix you, fifteen a month, and they Netflix don't provide is fifteen. They don't a provide a twentieth of the value that we do. No, no, absolutely not. And they support pedophilia. And they support pedophilia. How do they support pedophilia? That's what Rusty said. I don't know. The, oh. That cutie show, remember? It's oh, the reason why we stopped the subscribing. cuties. That's right, the cuties. Cuties. Oh, the I cuties remember movie. the yeah. hubbub over that yeah, a yeah. while back. Yeah, yeah, cuties. So people are okay with that. Was the children. sexualization of children, right? Yes. Like John Benet Ramsey kind of thing, right? Uh, yeah, actually. That's exactly it. Well, that was a tragic deal. It just makes my skin crawl every time I see a little picture of that girl. It just good. makes yeah. my skin crawl. Messed up. Goddamn. What kind of a. Ugh. Yeah. Imagine having those people as relatives. Yeah. Ugh. God almighty. Not Thanksgiving, not at my house, motherfucker. <laughs> Stay the fuck away from me. Here's another interesting comment Starting Strength Network was a failure. <laughs> It was a failure. Might be right. Notice that we came mm. back to Starting Strength Radio this week. Doesn't right. say network behind you. No, it says radio behind yeah. me. Yeah, I guess it failed. Damn. That must that's the only possible explanation for that, right? All right, here is this a uh, really, really this guy's Russ Burkholder is his name. He's he's so, so smart. All right, and he knows much more about this than, than clearly, certainly than I do. Clearly, he has never performed a high weight trap bar deadlift pull, because if he had, he wouldn't be yakking about instability at the top of the lift as a negative. Ah. That weight wants to go which weight? That weight. That weight. <clears throat> Wants to go straight back town to the floor. Wait, which floor? That floor. Which trap bar? That trap bar. Right. Back down to the floor, not move laterally. No, no, it doesn't move. Can't move laterally. It can swing around at the end of your arms, but it can't. No, which is not lateral movement. I've never heard of such a ridiculous notion. He's Russ Burkholder has never heard of such a ridiculous notion. Solid argument. Why if he hasn't heard of it? Yeah, solid. It can't be a right. It can't be a notion at all. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh 
The trap bar thing keeps coming up, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. What do you think these people... What is so deeply offended ever? We need to do another show on the trap bar, I guess. Apparently, yeah. A whole show on what a piece of shit a trap bar is. Yeah. yeah. It's a combination of uh, being mad at your dogma. Right. Coupled Which with, means anything that I say, they're mad at exactly. already. Because everything I say is dogma. Yep. And then layer right. on top of that, the ease with which you can have somebody trap bar deadlift and call it a deadlift. Right. With no coaching. Yeah. Without the requirement. Just grab it. Grip it, rip it, man. Right. Grip it, rip it. Just pick it up off the floor. Right. Yep. right. Power yeah. lifters like it for because that's how they coach things. And then add to that the availability, because they've invested money in a trap bar deadlift, right? Yeah, I mean, if you paid, there's probably a $2,000 trap bar someplace. Yep. And you waste $2,000 on this useless piece of shit, I guess you're going to have to. You're going to have to be excited about it. Yeah, have to be excited about it it, to stave off feeling like a moron. Right. Yep. Right. So there's Russ Burkholder. Thanks, Russ. We ought to have him on the show. We should. Let's yeah. have him. Let's, let's get him on. Yeah. Get him on Skype call. <laughs> so what else do I do that's Contact wrong, us, Russ? Russ? Yeah, get a hold of us, Russ. We'll have you on, man. We got to pick your brain. That would be an interesting show. <laughs> pick, <your brain. laughs> pick, pick Russ's brain. Take about what, eighty-five, ninety seconds. Have a show of nothing but haters. Try and get them to get on the show. And then just let them yell. Let them yell. And, and, and all we do is go, <laughs> just do that. Oh, shit. All right. Why is this fat guy telling me functional training doesn't make me stronger when functional training has made me stronger? You know why functional training has made you stronger, Aki? Because you weren't very fucking strong. He's still not, but he doesn't know that because he's functionally training. Oh, good. All right. All of Ripito's demonstrators have crap posture from following his advice. This is from the RDL with Mark Ripito. When the hell did we do an RDL thing? Oh, a long time ago. So these guys want to make a comment from the haters so bad they're they're pouring through the archives to oh, find no, something. No, no, they they pop up. The video will pop up. Oh, is that Somebody right? looked at an RDL or some shit, and then they get it suggested. Well, then YouTube suggests it for them. Yeah. Okay. So thanks, YouTube. Hater, fuck you. Yeah. Or not, you know, I mean, this is provides content for us, right? We get to read your stupid ass. Yeah, you realize people tune in to the uh, podcast here to hear me make fun of you. (laughs) Oh, this is a good one. Mark Ripito isn't exactly the first person I would come to for (laughs) weight loss advice. Well, neither neither would I. This person's name is YouTuber27. Okay. That's good. Here, Diego Lopez. How many Diego Lopez's are there in the world? 
750,000. At least, yeah. Deadlifting like this and squatting the way he teaches us has hurt my lower back so much. Okay. So much. So very, very much. Oh, here's one for Nick. Oh, good. I've never actually seen Nick lift anything (laughs) besides a camera in the multiple years he's been on this channel. That's because Nick doesn't lift. He got it. Nailed it. We didn't hire Nick for his lifting. We hired Nick for his... Because he can lift a camera. We hired Nick Nick for his diversity. Ah, yes. Damn it. Nick's a diversity hire. God, no matter how much I try to not be the diversity guy. Uh, Shit. Look, unless you can figure out... If Bree's Italian, then we could call her the diversity yeah. hire. Because well, Italians a, aren't but, white people. She's a woman, as far as we know. But he's still going to be darker skinned, so yeah. that's automatic diversity yeah. hire. Look, if Jews can be non white, then Bree can be non white. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, it's true. I mean, when Gillen Water gets to be non white, fucking Bree's, you know. So. <laughs> We got to figure out. Get one of those twenty-three in me, or is it forty-six in me? Twenty-three in me. And me test and see how much Italian you've got. We'll pay for the test. How much? Wait, how much is it? I like don't know. Forty-nine. It's probably 95? free because the CIA gets all your information. Yeah. They probably give it to you for free if you want it. Right. Yep. Well, get get a free one. Let's see how much Italian you got. I'd always been taught that Italians evolved from rats <laughs> and not primates. You think that's true or not? <laughs> that would explain quite a bit, wouldn't it? Well, it would. <laughs> is there anyone at starting is... strength that isn't obese? Hang on, Rusty's Wait. over here all worried about the Italians. <laughs> what? What's his problem? He's shaking his head all sad and shit. Is he... Maybe he's Italian. Oh, no, what no. is your race, Rusty? Yeah, your race? His race is white. I'm white. You think you're white? My family's from Alabama. <laughs> hey, a lot of black people are from Alabama. Yeah, I watch might have it. Some black in me. Okay. To be taken out of context. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. All right. All right. So let me back up now. Anyway, is there anyone at starting strength that isn't obese? No. Anyone there who is actually fit, LOL? I can tell you what we don't do is use the word LOL ever. Fuck. (laughs) Do we have to keep doing this every goddamn time? Is this so entertaining to everybody that that I have to subject myself to this concentrated fucking stupidity every single time we do a QA? and a I've got a big smile on my face right now. Well, you keep a big smile on your face. So do our listeners. We've always wondered why that was. So too. do our so listeners, though. Listeners are excited. The listeners are in favor of comments, comments. From, from the haters. And its continuation, I suppose. Okay, so Q&A. Here, look. <laughs> these first ones come from 
In fact, are all of these from the? I got one normie on here at the end of this thing. <laughs> and it's a real stupid one, too. I'm going to read it anyway, just for contrast. All right. Now, <clears throat> so what we're doing these days is we're taking our comments for the Q&A, questions for the Q&A, not comments, questions for the Q&A from the Starting Strength Network forums. So when we're going to do a Q&A, we put up a post that solicits you guys, subscribers, you subscribers, questions for the Q&A. And you get three or four days notice and put these down. And I recognize all of your names here. I see your posts. I read these things every day. And... uh, and so we'll, you know, we're going to prefer people who support us. So uh, Marty Fox 1 goes first. Good old Marty Fox. One of our earliest subscribers. In, in fact, yeah. I have a question about the inevitable isolated bad day. I don't mean the my form is a little off day. I mean the I worked 12 hours today, didn't have time to eat anything bad day. Or they only got two hours of sleep because a new baby bad day. Or you get out there and your warm-ups feel like shit. Your first set feels about six times heavier than it should. I just read the article on the main side about heat management. That can certainly be another factor. My natural tendency will be to slug my way through the workout and maybe end up missing a couple of reps. If you know that you're not going to perform well on a given day, would it be better to go that route or start down the slippery slope of skipping workouts. I would assume lifting light weights is not on the table. All right. Well, this is certainly a pertinent question with the uh, advent of the newest way to be a pussy (laughs) that is called RPE. All right. RPE is 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 a system... to glorify it somewhat, that says that you should base your work sets on your perception of the exertion that you experience, among other things, during your warm-up. Now, am I, just so I'm not stating that incorrectly, is that a fair assessment of yes. some of the yes. tenets of so. RP? Right? You're having a bad. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't use RPE. Warm ups are bad. Right. So sounds like man. Last warm up felt like, like shit, it. and uh, so you uh, deload. You know, right? it all depends it, on how your the template that you bought or the online coach that you're using <laughs> wants to use RPE. Yeah, you you bought a template that says instead of a number that says <laughs> work up to eight. four sets of eight. Yeah. Using RPE, RPE six point seven three one. Even right. though you've right. been lifting for one month, right? Uh, you know, and look, I may be uh, misstating RPE, but you know what? I don't give a fuck if I'm misstating RPE. You guys are all a bunch of pussies. And here's the situation: <laughs> if you give yourself permission to not try your numbers today because you're tired. 
because nobody's ever been tired before when they trained, right? Or because you're 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 hungry, or you're you know you you were up all night with the baby and all this other shit. And you gave yourself permission to not even do the first of your work sets with the weight that you know you're supposed to do because you're training, not fucking around in the gym, right? Then you are a pussy. And I'm sorry, you know, I keep having to remind everybody that there is such a thing as a pussy and that you may be one of them if you're doing this. And everybody's, you know, dragging me over the coals about using the term pussy all the time. Look, when I say pussy, I'm not I'm not talking about a vagina. <laughs> okay. You know how the language is used. I don't need to explain the terminology here to you. All right. A, a pussy and a coward are not the same thing. You know, there's subtle differences. This is why English is such a good language. This is why English has a 500,000-word vocabulary, and the French have got, what, seven or 8,000 words they can choose from? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I thought it was 500, but whatever. It, it's something it's some limited. They have a limited vocabulary. They're, you know, <laughs> they're like Sean Hannity. <laughs> Who knows approximately fifteen hundred words? <laughs> so, so uh, <clears throat> uh, what it all boils down to is everybody that has successfully trained for any length of time, everyone without exception, has come into the gym under less than ideal circumstances. They have done their first sets with the empty bar, and then they've gone to 135, and they say, God, this feels like shit. I feel like shit today. Everything hurts. I'm tired. I'd rather not be here. And then they they do 185 and two and a quarter, and they say, man, this isn't getting any better. You know, and they're videoing their sets, and they look at the videos. Videos show the same bar speed. You know, nothing's slowing down. They go to 275, do a double, 275. Looks the same as two and a quarter. Felt worse, though. It feels like shit. You know, put three and a quarter on the bar for a single. Feels like shit. Same speed, but feels like shit. And they say, all right, numbers on the in the book say I got to do 355 today for three sets of five. You got two approaches here. You can say, ah, I feel like shit. And I think I'm just going to stay at, you know, three and a quarter and do my three sets of five there because I feel like shit. Which means you're doing a RPE thing. You've given yourself permission to be a pussy because of your subjective perception of the warm-ups of the difficulty of the warm-ups because you said they felt like shit but remember you videoed them and they were the same speed that's data your subjective perception is bullshit all right nobody including me who's been training for 45 years 
has an absolutely accurate ability to perceive difficulty. Nobody. Okay. Certainly not you. So you can give yourself permission to deload and call it RPE or some bullshit. What it is is pussy. RPE. The P in RPE means pussy. All right? Or, conversely, you can try the 355. You can put it on the bar, take it out of the rack, and squat it for the set of five. All right? And you get down to the fifth rep of that first set. You say, man, that really felt like shit. And then you look at the video, and lo and behold, all five of the reps are exactly the same bar speed. But they felt like shit. Right? And you say, well, you know, you have some balls about you now. And you say, all right, well, I did the first set. Might as well do the second one. So you rest about 10, 12 minutes. And you rest extra if you think you need to. And you take the second set out at 355 and squat it for set of five. Last couple of reps feel like shit. And you think to yourself, man, this had to be slower. They feel like shit. This is even worse. And so you rack the bar and you go look at your video. And goddamn, if all of the reps aren't exactly the same speed, you know. And then you say, well, okay, third set. You know, rest your 10, 12 minutes. Take the third set out. First three reps feel like shit. Fourth rep feels like shit. Fifth rep, you're standing there, man. Like I really want to rack this. Well, hell, I've done 14 reps. All I got to do is one more rep. So you grow some balls and you go down and come back up. And goddamn, if you didn't do all 15 reps of a weight you thought was going to be too heavy, and you put it up. And you go look at the video, and the, every one of them is the same bar speed. Now, let me invite you to think about something. Three twenty-five felt like shit, right? Three fifty-five felt like shit. But you did all 15 reps at 355, which you wouldn't have done had you given yourself permission to stop because 325 felt like shit. Do you see my point? Your perceptions are not data. Now, if you want to, you can make them look like data by giving them a number. You can make them look quantitative. By, giving, by assigning a number to your bullshit perceptions. But they're bullshit perceptions. They're not data. Okay? You're giving yourself permission to be a fucking pussy. That's not training. That's exercising. That's fucking around in the gym. All right? Now, if you want to do that, that's fine with me. All right? But at some point, you're going to have to come to grips with the fact that your perceptions are not and cannot be the basis of your decisions 
about the work set weights you're going to do for training. Your training history has to be the basis of this. If you did 350 last time and you did all three sets of five with 350, then the logic of training dictates that 355 is the next three sets of five. And it doesn't matter what you feel about that. That's what has to be done. And until you actually fail with 355, then you don't know you can't do it. Doesn't matter how it feels. Okay? Don't trust your feelings. Every once in a while, you'll come into the gym and everything feels light. Good. Wonderful. Stick with your training plan. Everything felt light today. And you think to yourself, man, that really felt good. Man, that felt like an RPE of 2.73 or whatever you want, you know. I think I'll go up 15 pounds next time. (laughs) See, that's fucking up in the other direction, isn't it? Don't do that. Don't do that. Stick with the plan. The plan is five pounds. And the plan works. You know why you know that? Because it's worked so far. And until it stops working... Use it. All right? So. What was Marty's question? Marty wanted to know how he, what, how to handle how he, a bad day when he right. feels in. That you handle a bad day by training. Yep. You do what you're assigned. You do what the, your training log tells you to do. And it doesn't matter how you feel about it. If you need to rest a little bit more between sets, that's fine. If you need to get a. Uh, some Gatorade or some sugar in between the sets, then that's what you do. But the plan is the plan, and that's training. And until you have demonstrated that you're not going to be able to do it by not actually doing it, then it doesn't matter how it feels to you. We talk about that. Well, this I mean, is part of the, the uh, lecture during programming. It's, you, can't, you can't make programming decisions. You can't have an intelligent uh conversation and you can't uh you're not actually training if you don't have some basic parameters in line and one of those is recovery right one of those is so the first three questions is one of them and then consistency and form so if you're if you're not consistent because you're whatever's going on in your life the first thing you need to do is get consistent and if you're not recovering, then you're not training. So, so, so you're not even, I mean, what, what are you actually asking for? Are you asking for permission to not train? Because if you're training, then you've got to do a bunch of shit outside of the gym that's going to allow you to train. And yes. that includes prioritizing eat, prioritizing right. sleep, prioritizing a bunch of things. Right. It includes <clears throat> not missing that meal. Exactly. It, it includes going to bed early enough to get enough sleep. Yep. It includes earplugs if you need them. It includes making sure there's a fan blowing on you so you're cool enough to get to sleep. It it involves planning for things outside the gym that lead to the best possible training environment that you can produce for yourself during the workout. So the question is always, how do I do the program wrong? And and this is the life of a coach, and this is – 
this is reality for most of uh, most normal people. Is, is what are the trade-offs going to be? So you you, you got to do your best, but but all of your points are still valid, right? Because because at the end of the day, you can do a lot more than you think you can. If yes. you feel like shit, um, it, and if you've never pushed yourself, even if you feel like shit, to to try a little bit more, uh, you're just going to be in this loop of <coughs> mediocrity forever. Yeah, here Tony Linnell Parham, Parham, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, follows up. I'd like to second that question. After 12 to 14 hour shift, getting my ass kicked, fatigue is riding my back like a spider monkey. Would it be better to skip that day and eat, sleep, or should I at least do some squats? In other words, should you just go into gym and fuck around? That's what you just said. All right. This is assuming that I have eaten throughout the day. I know you've talked about how a physically demanding job will become your baseline, and due to it being submaximal effort, it differs from training. That being said, what do you do in the worst-case scenario of fatigue and the double shot of pre-workout just isn't enough? You plan better, Tony. You plan better. All right? You're training. We need you three days a week. I don't care what three days that is. It had to be Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Could be Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, right? Could be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. Well, you know, that might work for some people, right? But it's a plan. You plan, all right? Now, if you need to be on an eight-day schedule instead of a seven-day schedule, that's training. You know, if you know the workout is not doable because of the circumstances you find yourself in on a regular basis, then if you fail to plan for that, then you're not training, all right? But given that you go into the gym, and you have done what you need to do, and you still feel like shit, and the warm-ups feel like shit, and we get now to the work sets, and you don't try them, then you're not training. Right? I mean, nobody can plan this but you. Right? If you're, you know, your pre-workout isn't enough, if you, you know, it's, it's assuming you have eaten through the day, Physically demanding job, you'll become your baseline due to it being sub-maximal effort. It differs from training. Yes, I, I competed in powerlifting while I was mowing lawns in Texas in July and August. Back when I was young and strong, you know. Yeah, it was not, and I wasn't even eating enough. I mean, you just do it. You just fucking do it. You know, and uh, I mean, if you don't want to do it, that's that's fine with me. But at least face the fact that this is this is a, a series of decisions that you have to make for yourself. You want to train, you're going to have to fix it up so the training works. Okay, anybody else have anything to add to that? You don't ask Dave Ramsey how to do Dave Ramsey's program while carrying eight credit cards worth of debt hey but that i mean uh, you know there you, I, but, there you but, go. but that's the uh, that's the 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 questions that he constantly gets so it's always right. where you're 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 giving people the optimal situation 
right? The best way to do things. And every anything that's not that is exactly that. It's not right. the best way to less do it. Less than optimum. Less and, than optimum. And, you know, you may be in a situation where you have to do something that's less than optimum. Fine. But understand Control. what optimum is exactly. and that optimum is a function of what you're planning creates you've got to control what okay. you've got to handle what you can control and then whatever's out of your control is that's your just control. one of them deals you but, know but that's the difference between a problem and a situation exactly and when somebody says uh assuming that i ate that day that is a problem that you have control over because right. again it goes back to the planning thing all right let's assume you didn't eat today that's not my fault it's oh not it's not the, anybody's fault it's except, not the program's fault right Right, it's not training's fault; it's your fault because you didn't plan. Okay. All right. Now we love our subscribers, by the way. <laughs> Here is uh, Fire Flame Seven Eight Six. Rip, when does a boy become a man? Okay. I'm the wrong guy to ask that. <laughs> of weird man. <laughs> I've heard you refer to 25-year-olds as children, as well as a podcast a while ago where you said you could still see upon the face of a 51-year-old man the milk from his mother's breasts. <laughs> At what age or what other condition must be meant for a child to grow up? As my favorite charismatic internet personality, there's no other individual with which I can trust this question. All right, then. I don't know fire i'm i'm kind of i've i've never considered uh i've never considered i've always called myself a guy not a man i think guys that call themselves well i'm a man that does blah 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 i'm the kind of man that blah 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 <laughs> shut up <laughs> jesus christ chest beating fuckheads i'm you know uh uh, goddamn fire i don't know i mean when i guess maybe it 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 probably has something to do when uh your responsibilities uh preclude you doing exactly what you want to do all the time does it have something to do with that i fuck i don't know what do you think that's pretty good yeah doing things that you don't necessarily want to do because you have to because they have to be done yeah Maybe that makes you a man. Yep. Some guys are men when they're 15. Some guys never quite get there. Right. Like the whole state of California. Yeah. How many men are in the state of California? Seven. There may be, there's probably, six of those live in the Central Valley. They're farmers and yep. shit. And the other guys, you know, hiding from the. Left. From COVID. <laughs> Hiding from COVID. No, real man doesn't hide from COVID. Real man's already had COVID. Shook it off. Shook it off. And doesn't give a fuck. Because he's, you know, been yeah, sick immunity. before and shit. Yeah, the immunity the old fashioned way. Getting it, getting over it. The old fashioned way. Getting sick. Yeah. Getting over and it. not dying. Have you ever seen the Be a Man guy? Has anybody showed you that? No. Do you know who that is? It just you've never seen that. Oh man, I don't know if it's just an Instagram thing, but this guy say ridiculous things like, "If your wife's upset, if your wife looks upset, tell her to calm down. Be a man. <laughs> <laughs> tell her to calm down. 
Do you, man? No, no, I hadn't seen it. Yeah, he just, that's his whole. That's the whole thing. He just says stuff like that. <laughs> Your wife says, "But honey, you didn't make me come." And you say, "So, be a man. Be a man. Be a man." And then there's a guy like Rusty in the back, just dying laughing, just like that every time he yeah. says it. Ah, uh, shit. Okay, here's Zach the Jew wants to know. Okay. Just read it. Zach the Jew. I got three questions, two about the press, one about an injury issue. About the press, how mechanically does the second layback help the press go up? When pressing, we want the bounce generated by the hips to translate into upward motion. In a book, you talk about your upper body getting away uh, getting under the bar to improve leverage and power from the triceps. The second layback takes the body away from the bar, seemingly preventing all these things from happening. Is it simply a bar path issue? Could you dissect a bit what's going on when somebody does a second layback? All right. The second layback in a press is analogous to the second, the, the double knee extension in a clean, right? When we do a clean, the knees extend off the floor, okay? And anybody that's doing a clean in any level of proficiency will demonstrate the double knee bend in a clean. And you can look at this on videos all day long, all right? And what you'll see is an initial knee extension off the floor. You'll see the knees rebend and then extend a second time as the bar crosses the lower part of the thigh. And what this does is allow you to use your quads twice within one second. It's a very fast movement, but it doubles the effect of the knee extension as the bar comes up through the pull. It gives you two chances to generate force with a quadriceps-driven knee extension and if you'll think about the double layback in the press it's essentially the same thing you're using the hips moving back and forth to generate uh, upward force at the shoulders as the bar goes up and the second layback is essentially a second pulse of this same kind of movement right you got anything to add to that? I think that's it. Also, gets you much closer to a lockout with the uh, with locked out elbows. I mean, in some cases, the elbows are all the way locked out at the end of the double layback. And yeah, then, I've seen Chase do that. And then uh, your and then your uh, Redding didn't do it that way, but Chase seems to have done it that way, right, and yeah. uh, he's learned how to lock it out and then just get himself under the thing. Yeah, but you get two pulses of this back and forth movement of the hips that's generating. Uh, a, a a a pulse of of contraction anterior along the abs and the quads. Yep. During during the pressing movement, it's uh, got to be both things. It's got to be that yeah. and the. Uh, I mean, you're you're putting yourself in a better position to press. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're 
More you're coming back you got under more, more peck. You got, when you lay back and then come back yeah. forward, you're closer to the bar, and yeah. that improves mechanics. And the right. layback generates a little bump of yep. contraction that's worth, you know, compromising your mechanical position for for a you know millionth of a second. Sure. Right. Okay. Second question about the press. Press is a dynamic and precise movement, such that after Rep three gets real hard real fast. Why does the program not begin with five sets three from the bat with a higher load? Is it simply because the first several weeks of the program are too light anyway for it to really matter, so it's better to just go with higher reps, understanding that we'll move to different rep schemes when three sets of five gets too hard? Yes, that's why we do it. If you're a novice, sets of five work better. How do we know that? Because we've been doing this a long time, and sets of five work better. When they get hard, and not until they get actually hard, we're going to stick with fives because those last two reps of a hard set of five produce a different type of higher quality stress than just making all three of the things perfect. Okay. When you get down to that fifth rep and it's hard to hold yourself in position, the hard to hold yourself in position part is kind of what we want to do because we're trying to keep you in a high-quality stress situation. Fives are hard, but fives work better than threes as long as they're working. All right, so, yeah, you're right about that. Now, injury question. When I do chin-ups and pull-ups, I get a terrible acute headache on my very last rep or two when it starts getting hard it spreads from the very back of my head around to my eyes lasts a few minutes goes away i've seen people ask about headaches on deadlifts and chins but for me this happens on no other exercise i've had my form evaluated by starting strength coach and it's fine any insight into what could be causing such a strange effect if it's relevant he's 29 200 pounds Uh, I, you know, Zach, I, um, hesitate to dismiss severe headaches in training. Um, I've never had that happen to me. I know people that have that successfully trained them and they just went away. But I also know that, uh, a severe headache can mean that there is something possibly wrong. Now, I don't know what that might be. But I think if I were you, I would get it looked at. If it's bothering you enough to write me this question, I think you probably ought to get it looked at because you may have a little berry aneurysm in there that's acting up or something that could be fixed before it kills you dead as a hammer. Here he is. He's clarifying. He says, to clarify the headache, it moves from acutely painful to the point that it's hard to see. To tolerable within a few seconds, maybe half a minute, and fades to minor pounding, which goes away after a couple minutes. I think I'd get this looked at. Well, here's the question, though. You know, I mean, this goddamn hard-to-see shit. Yeah. You know, this is awfully neurological sounding. What should he he say? Because the simple thing... There's the there's the risk that he walks in and says, this is what's going on, and then they say, well, you got to stop lifting weights. Right. So what, what, what... what should he say, in your opinion, to get the proper assessment? I would say I am experiencing severe headaches during periods of exertion. Yeah. 
and I'd and I wouldn't know that I would necessarily specify the exertion. If the guy asks, tell him. Yep. And then if he says, "Well, you just got to stop lifting," and then your response is, "I'm here for a diagnosis, not training advice." Yep. Good. What is wrong? What's in your opinion? What's causing the headaches? And he says, "Well, the lifting's causing the headaches." And you say, "Doctor, with all due respect, that's bullshit." Because there's one exercise when I lift weights in which this is causing problems, and one exercise only. And I'd like to know if there is some pathology that is responsible for that pain. I'm not here for your training advice. I'm here for a diagnosis. Now, can you provide me a diagnosis or not? And he said, well, it's just, you know, my diagnosis is you need to stop lifting weights. And then you say, well, you're not familiar with the definition of words or, (laughs) you know, anything else, I guess. So, uh, and then I'd leave and I wouldn't pay him. And then I'd cut his tires and I'd burn his house down and murder his entire family. That's what I would do. Well, that's, you know, it's a little self-indulgent. I just get mad at these people. But we're just assuming here that he's not going to he's going to run into a uh, run into a problem, yeah. A problem. Yeah. I, I think this guy is in Israel just from reading his uh reading his email uh and I don't know what the medical system's like over there. I have no idea what if it's like the British Public Health Service or whatever the fuck, but you know, you you just there are so many bad doctors. You just you know what you need to know is what's wrong all right your description of these symptoms to me indicates to me that something could be potentially very wrong and uh it may be nothing i don't know may go away three weeks from now may never have it happen again but if it is that acute then that indicates the presence of some pathology and i think it needs to be looked at all right now Right. Blarson says, I am a 33-year-old, six-foot-three, non-birthing person. <laughs> man, you're with it. You're with it, man. You've got, uh, you're in with the in crowd. You go where the in crowd goes. I used to weigh 370 at 50% body fat. I lost a little weight doing rowing. Then I discovered starting strength and ran my first novice linear progression, eating at maintenance, and ended with a body weight of 350, but still over 40% body fat. At that point, I decided I needed to be able to use a belt in order to continue to make progress. So the gut had to go. I ran a four-day split, hang on to some muscle mass while I lost a bunch of weight over the course of a year. Ended up at 215 body weight, somewhere between 15 20% body fat. That's impressive. Now I've restarted my novice linear progression, eating at a surplus, 4,000 calories, 250 gram of protein since restarting my novice linear progression i've added 20 pounds of body mass up to 235 remember he's 63 and my body fat percentage has only increased slightly maybe up to 20 percent question is 
What is a reasonable body weight target for someone my age and height to reach the end of novice linear progression? With this kind of a history, I would say that if you're 33 and you're 6'3", at the end of novice linear progression, I think probably 265 is a reasonable number. I think he's 230 right now? Right now he's two, uh, he says he is uh, 235. So I think you've got some room to grow. Yeah. Uh, that's a hell of a, a body fat loss. And uh, it uh, proves that the, you know, the medical community, as usual, is wrong about someone being actually able to do that. And... Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I think yeah, forty five hundred calories to get you back up to two sixty five. You've already proven that you are capable of handling your body fat. All right. If it gets to be excessive, you already know what to do because you've already done it. Right. But in terms of six three and thirty uh, three year old guy, two sixty five is a good body weight for you at the end of a novice progression. Now, eventually, if you want to be a lifter. At 6'3", you can carry 300. You know, happens all the time. Big, strong guys at 6'3", weigh 300 pounds. You know. So I would, uh, you know, that'd be my advice. I think you've already, you know more about this body fat thing than I do. Obviously, as fat as I am, (laughs) you know. What do you think my body fat is? Uh, according to the haters, it's got to be 50, 60, 60, 65, 60%. 60%. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. That guy, I bet it, so it's 6'3", 230. I bet he looks really skinny. Right? He probably looks like shit looks right now. Looks real skinny. And and kinda, he, I think he realizes that, and that's yeah, why he's and kinda, asking And kind of flabby. And then I think he's why he's asking us. I think he needs to fill back out. That'll get, go away at Get that body weight up to 265. Right. Yep. Yeah, he'll be. Uh, Especially if he's training properly, right? Right. Yep. Right. Uh, and he's, you know, acts like he's doing the right thing here. Uh, but, uh, let's talk about me some more. What do you think? My, <laughs> what do you think my body fat is? <laughs> well, right now what? it's, it's gotta be 18. <laughs> 18. I mean, we had your shirt off earlier. It was, I mean, there was abs coming in you got two you got the top i'm abs, telling you you know i got a picture i got a picture of me with abs at the previous body weight before the leg got cut off right and you can see abs yeah you know what the problem with with not being able to see my abs for all those years was you know what the problem was? no what is it hair <laughs> i'm too hairy <laughs> i was just too fucking hairy <laughs> So I started doing that. <laughs> Suddenly, fuck, there's abs. abs. It's amazing. All right. Eric <laughs> Schexinator is asking, with regard to the diminishing returns analogy, has there ever been a point in your strength training career at which further progress is no longer economical or worthwhile other than your current maintenance training protocol? And to try to extend the analogy in the field of economics, the region past diminishing returns is called negative returns. Is there such a point in training? Well, uh, you know, yeah, I think negative returns 
uh, in training can happen if you keep hurting yourself because you're a pig-headed son of a bitch and insist on doing things that that make you try for even regional and local PRs when they're just not there anymore, you know. Uh, now, this last little injury I've got to my quad tendon, I did not get that in the gym, you know. I didn't really get that in the gym. Now, my most recent shoulder injury, I did get in the gym. All right. Uh, I hurt my left shoulder benching. And, uh, you know, in my defense, it was a weight that should not have hurt anything. And I hurt myself anyway. And uh, I don't know. It's... People who are competitive as they get older are sometimes reluctant to change the training paradigm when when they need to. And you've just got to know when you're really no shit in maintenance mode and you've just got to, you know... You come in and everything feels good tonight. You'd really like to do that that five more pounds that you hadn't done in a while. You think you ought to try it, and you've got to have a little conversation with yourself. you got to decide whether to hang it up because you've hurt yourself or you could hurt yourself, or you uh, can go ahead and have some balls about you and put another, you know, Put another five pounds on that regional strength curve, the local one, you know, that you're just working on this year. I'll tell you, uh, this is uh, this is going to be an issue. You know, I've been rehabbing this knee real hard. I've got uh, about 110 degrees of range of motion in this thing. When it comes time for me to get back under the bar and start actually doing squats how am i going to handle that uh i'm probably going to handle i'm probably going to do box squats for quite a while a year year and a half two years maybe before i actually try a squat but if you don't think that my mind is going to be on that Horrible feeling when you rupture a tendon every single time I go down to the box, then you're overestimating me. As I tell you, it's going to be psychologically difficult to do that. Eric, you're not anywhere in that vicinity. And I don't want you thinking about it. You just need to train and, uh, do it the correct way according to the discussion we had earlier in the podcast all right okay dearest rip this is she g s-i-d-h-e remember me discussing that yeah pronunciation of a name he says you nailed the pronunciation of my handle last q and a hey look at that the first thing I've nailed in a long time. 
Not to be condescending, but good job. And I would just like to point out that we Gales follow our pronunciation rules much more rigorously than you Anglophones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, anyway, my question this week is about the neuromuscular adaptation that we seek to build through strength training. Has there been any research into how this adaptation affects the pathology of prognosis or prognosis of neuromuscular diseases like ALS or Parkinson's, or even lower level disorders like restless leg syndrome? I don't know. I don't know that. Uh, I have worked with people with uh, muscular dystrophy. And that is a horrible disease because there is virtually nothing you can do about it because this disorder is so profound that the stress recovery adaptation cycle does not operate in those people the way it does in, in uh, neuromuscularly normal people. And without that mechanism in place, it's damned hard to train. It's damned hard to do anything at all. It's, 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 uh, if, if I was going to have to decide between uh, multiple sclerosis and muscular dystrophy, I'd take MS every day. Because there is some level of control over the non-serious versions of that, but uh, muscular dystrophy is a terrible, a terrible deal. ALS is bad parkinson's is even is is a horrible disease and there's just not a lot of things you can do because of the fact that the disorder disrupts the stress recovery recovery adaptation cycle that we depend upon to generate the training effect okay i'm not aware of the of the of any research about this that would indicate uh the use of resistance training in any of those uh, disorders. There may be some, but my uh, impression of the quality of the understanding of resistance training among people that do that type of research is that they don't understand what the hell we do. And so there's not anything that they would be able to do that would correctly implement the training intervention. Uh, but again, I, I, as I said before, I don't know. Sorry. Okay. Hey, Rip, Nick, and crew, the sci-fi episode was great. Any chance of an episode that focuses on movies where firearms play a predominant role? Dirty Harry, Death Wish, Predator, Quigley Down Under, iconic guns of the screen episode. Yeah, we are thinking about that. I just watched Quigley Down Under last week. I just watched Predator yesterday. Or day before yesterday. What guns were in Predator? Uh, <laughs> everything. 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 There was, remember... Uh, the minigun. Remember, cool. yeah, uh, so cool. Jesse Ventura was carrying a minigun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you had your M16s. They had that, um, that grenade launcher. That'd be a good example of extremely unrealistic. He's carrying that yeah. minigun, and there's oh, that yeah. scene where they where they mow down the jungle, and right. he's shoot, he's firing that thing for a, probably 10, 15 seconds, yeah. 
And Ed would th- the you know, of, like three thousand rounds. The amount of ammo he could well, carry. Just, yeah, just, just, just the fact he was carrying a backpack. Two and a half seconds through the jungle. He's a big strong man. But remember, this is a movie. He is about Jesse a, the body even an about an alien that came to Central America somewhere. <laughs> right. To, yeah, to you know, it's just we're look. Awesome. Can you be entertained or not? Of course. It's, it's right. Great. I love that. I mean, movie so it's much. one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, I made my children watch it. Watch the other day. Yeah, that's good parenting. Yeah. I think so, too. Show them um, The Exorcist. Let's fuck them up, shall we? That's a good idea. All right. Uh, yeah, we're talking about all kinds of stuff. Uh, that's you know, a, that's we, a good idea, we, we had a lot of fun doing that episode, and I think we, you know, we, we might be able to count on several more of these movie things that you know uh, we'll be doing here pretty quick. And, uh, you know, everybody likes that because everybody likes the movies and everybody likes when other people discuss the movies. And, and then you start yelling at the, at the, you know, the radio or the screen and say, you fucking moron, you left out, blah, blah, blah. You know, that kind of thing. Because, you know, everybody can participate. Yeah. And it gives people right? a reason to go back and watch the movies. Right. It does do that. You know, for which we receive no compensation. Zero. That's right. Right. Not even a T-shirt. They don't even send us a hat. Yeah. I had to buy that hat. Where'd that hat go? Where's the, the Nostromo hat? Yeah, let me have that thing. See? Come on, Good Rusty. shot. Never mind. Right. <laughs> it's a hat that says Nostromo on it that I had to buy. Really, Scott didn't send me the fucking hat. Many, I had to buy the gun. How many copies of, of the, the Final Cut and Aliens have you sold? Prometheus. I mean, you know. Oh, look, it went up. It got on the table all by itself. See there? I don't know. Yeah, and they haven't sent you a thing. They hadn't sent me a goddamn thing. I'm waiting on my purple mattress, though, my free purple mattress from all the ones I've sold. Hey, you know what? How many – now we're talking about some – all right, I was talking about this. How many pairs of weightlifting shoes do you think I've sold? Oh, yeah. No shit. How many – Tens of thousands of pairs of weightlifting shoes has Ripitoe sold. You know how many pairs of weightlifting shoes were available to buy in 2005 when I started talking about all this shit? You know how many pairs were None. Right? None. Right? And then Ripitoe starts talking about weightlifting shoes, and suddenly everybody has to have a fucking pair of weightlifting shoes. And what does Rogue do for Rip? Rogue, who sold thousands of copies of these fucking shoes. What does Rogue do for Rip? Not one goddamn thing. Does anybody, does Adidas, does Nike, does anybody's ass do for little old Rip? Nothing. That's what. They do dick. They do exactly dick for Rip. Hey, really, though, where where did people... In 2002, did you have everybody wearing shoes? Where'd they get shoes? 2002? Yeah. At I mean, the gym? Yeah, at the gym. You could buy them from Adidas. Yeah, there's two or three places you could get a pair. You'd have to. I mean, oh, like, uh, the, the Olympic weightlifters have always worn them. So right, there was right, yeah. there were shoes available. I'm talking about in the volumes that oh, they're sold. Oh, no, yeah, I get it. You know, I got it, yeah. That they're sold now. Right. Every CrossFitter's got three pairs. Right. Right. They buy them every six months. They yeah. have to. 
But did you did you did you force or encourage people to buy shoes back then, or was everybody running around in like? No, I told shoes? everybody to wear because everybody that trained with us just realized you need a solid sole if we're going to do these lifts. So they just go they find just them. Figured something out, you know. Yep. Just figured something out. You notice the train hadn't gone by. It'll come by now, now that you said it. I thought I heard it. I just didn't toot its horn. Toot. Toot. Toot its horn. Toot its horn. Blow its horn. Uh, you know, I'm just wondering, is the world stopped or what? Oh, good question. Maybe the rapture. We would never know. Yeah. Maybe the rapture could have happened while we're in here doing this thing. Yeah. It wouldn't have affected any of us, <laughs> certainly. Not at all. You know, we'll go outside and the cars are all empty and shit train planes rolling down the goddamn track empty planes falling out of the sky that'd be exciting that would be a hell of an afternoon ah, wouldn't it yeah. all right rubo says how do you see the future of training with barbells for the masses before building my home gym i trained at a great locally owned place with several power racks dedicated platform with competition plates etc and a clientele made of people passionate about resistance training i would bet a large percentage of these people have never picked up a barbell while training Yet get very excited when the next plate-loaded, wonderfully crafted steel monolith is brought into the gym because finally they can train their delts and posterior chain. Is this something that gym owners want as these people won't be able to work out if they don't have access to the 65 degrees seated shoulder press, seated incline, decline, chest press, and hack squat machines? Or is it just that a gym floor resembling a Victorian steel mill is considered fashionable? Uh, I think what Rubo, in his little disorganized way, is asking us is, what is the future of training with barbells versus training with machines for the masses? Is that what you got out of that? Yep. Well, uh, I don't know. I think that uh, training with barbells has, has made... A limited amount of progress in the past 15 years. Certainly, CrossFit has helped that. That can't be denied. Uh, certainly, I have helped that. That can't be denied. But the vast majority of the fitness market remains people wiggling the machines around in the air while they're sitting in a stupid-ass position, not doing anything of any serious intensity or importance. Certainly nothing involving balance. There's just there's just not uh, the vast majority of that market is an exercise market, not a training market. They don't even know the difference. They don't understand what we know about this sort of thing. We're having a conversation way in the hell up here, and here they are down here like that. And it's going to be that way from now on. Like I've said a hundred thousand times, we are narrow casting. Our broadcast is being received by just you, and that's all. And I wish I knew a way around that, but I don't. Now, that being said, starting strength gyms, we've got, you know, the possibility of having 20 gyms open by the end of 21, 2021. These things are flying off the shelves. We are 
doing really good things with the with the franchise gym project and uh you know that in in five years i don't have any idea where that's going to be it's going to be an interesting thing to see this happen in every one of those places or where people are are exposed to nothing but barbell training there's nothing resembling a machine in the floor and 10 years from now i don't know man i don't have any idea what's going to happen i think it's in an upward trajectory but will barbell training ever constitute a majority of the market i can't see that happening no because uh it's too hard and here's how you know that how many people just took the masks off this month because they were given permission to do so by people they considered in authority and sources of expert information most people are mask wearers I, I, I you know just have you not learned anything recently about who you live among you guys listening to this podcast if you're this far into the podcast or 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 with us you know um this has been a a terribly educational year and the lessons that you have learned about the people around you uh, apply to just their, you know, hygiene habits. Just keep that in mind. Try to process it like that. Okay. Okay. MWM. Make work matter. Sure. Right? Kind of boring. Uh, Not controversial. Not controversial. If only, Do, you could, if only you could think of something more controversial. If only I could think of something that maybe where W stood for a controversial, maybe nah. a, a, a version of supremacy <laughs> or nationalism, right? The most pervasive problem facing the United States in 2021, by the way. Existential threat, according to existential according threat. to the commander in chief, a threat to the existence of humanity. Wow. Right. Okay. Did you design any element of the starting strength method with compliance in mind, as opposed to maximal efficiency? No. What? No, I didn't. The only, the, the only, all right, without even reading the rest of this, because that's just the rest of it's just a takeoff on that. The only thing that we did when designing this program that, that was designed to enhance compliance was to pay attention to the fact that everybody's schedule is organized by the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday week. All right. That's just the way shit is, and everybody lives within this framework. And so we designed a program to be within that framework, and that is all. 
The rest of it was designed according to maximum efficiency. I'm glad we got the pronunciation of each day of the week in that response. That's good. Did I mispronounce those No, again? you got them. Nailed them. Really? Yeah, you said each Here, day. Play so the we tape. Got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Rusty, hello. Uh, I'm, hello I imagine Rusty. the guiding principle was maximal efficiency, and this suggests an interesting contrast against nutrition, where maximum efficiency is typically not advocated because it lowers the likelihood of compliance. I've heard Santana and others in your organization say things like, the best diet is the one you'll follow which seems like an eminently sensible thing to say because if you want to make a difference to a client, get paid for the results your inputs produce, then the rate of compliance is surely a critical consideration to your advice. Well, yeah, I Can guess. Can you read that part again, the, the, the thing he said about nutrition? I imagine the guiding principle was maximum efficiency, and this suggests an interesting contrast against nutrition, where maximal efficiency is typically not advocated because it lowers the likelihood of compliance in other words we can give you the best diet right that we can design and you won't eat it so we're going to give you the next best diet that you will eat right that's what he means here and he's right, wanting right. to know if i designed the training program with that in mind and i'm telling you no i did not well yeah because ideally you'd you'd have both things in line and if the recommendation got, well he no I, I, what he's saying is that that you can go through and design the best nutritional input based on cutting edge dietary principles and all your food would be you know in wonderful shape and and <laughs> and and fresh from the market that day and you'd weigh and measure and everything would be perfect and you would get exactly the right amount of protein exactly the right number of macros since i pronounced the yep we got it. days correctly i had to mispronounce something and then you know you could you could go through and do that and nobody's going to do that shit right because you know you want a fillet of fish on the way home and you stop and get one Goddamn things are good, man. Yeah, they are good. That American cheese. Oh, on that fish the with the done. tartar sauce. Yeah, and that bun. That's There's like something a, they do with the bun too, it's right? The, it's like a donut. They do oh, something God damn, with the they bun. They must do a different bun or something. I think it is. I don't. Anyway, anyway, uh, no, no, I did not. Uh, I did not design the train. I, I designed the training program based on what I saw working the most effectively for the. For the people I trained in my gym, who I personally trained to set up programs for, I saw a set of results, and I winnowed and threw out shit that didn't work and wasn't necessary and doubled down on the shit that was necessary and ended up with the best version of this program that I could come up with. I don't think anybody's come up with a better one. If it is, I'd like to see it, but we haven't seen it yet, all right? As opposed to nutrition, where I understand that you know there's there's reasons to you know, make compromises with the with your clients. I understand that when you're personal training, uh, you know, especially fifty five year old people, and you want to retain the money, that you don't do a bunch of shit to piss them off, even if what you need to do will piss them off, in terms of 
they're training with absolute efficiency. I understand that. But here we are back to what what are we doing this for? You know, I can tell you that most of these training programs, especially the RPE training programs, was designed with the money in mind. I know that for a fact. That's it's designed in a way that you can sell the template and not actually have to coach the product. All right? It's what it's for. It's what it was designed to do. I know this for a fact. Okay? And I understand that if the money is the thing, then that's what you do because that's the way to run it. And if you want to run your nutrition that way, then that's fine. I understand this but you're asking me what i did with this training program and i'm telling you that's not what happened what happened is is the the thing you see that you know is the novice linear progression in starting strength it was developed and with the with absolute efficiency of being in the gym and the amount of time in the program as possible okay uh and if you'll go in my gym, uh, you'll see that, all right? If you go in my gym, if you went in my gym in 2001, when we moved out of the new building, it looks completely different now than it did then because everything on the floor of the gym that does not contribute to training in any way has been removed with just a couple of exceptions, right? The only actual exception is really the tricep cable press-down machine. That thing's still there. And, you know, I mean, i got guys that want to use it. It's not eating any room up, so I just leave it. But everything else that was ever in there is gone. There's no calf machine. There's no leg machines. There's no hack squat machine. There's no pec deck. You know, one time I had all that shit. But it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't involve training. So we got rid of it. If it doesn't involve training, I got rid of it. And uh, you know, it's. I mean, I've got it, and I have one of the nicest dumbbell racks in the fucking world in there. And I we don't use it that much. Uh, but it it's. I've got a hell of a bunch of money invested in it, and I'm not going to get rid of it. There are certain things you can do on that dumbbell rack that that are quite useful, but not for novices. But I've still got I've still got that because it's not eating anything and it's not in the way. But in terms of things that take up floor space, that are not useful, they're gone. So I have winnowed everything out that doesn't need to be there, and the same is true of the program. Everything that doesn't produce a training effect is not in the program. Right, early versions of the program that were published in 05 in the first edition of the book have been revised and cleaned up. And the one you know now as starting strength, the novice linear progression, is, is based entirely on efficiency. You know, I, and, and look, I understand if you're trying to make a living training clients and you've got to make some concessions to them to retain the account, do it. I understand. But your question was about what we've done here, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's not what we've done. All right. I presume an old lifter who has been training the power clean or any other Olympic lift or variation thereof 
for many years is in a better position to continue doing so into his advanced age than a lifter of the same age who has only recently started strength training for the first time in his life. Is there an age cutoff that could be identified even roughly? At which point an experienced lifter should stop training the Olympic lifts just as an old novice should not start doing so. I presume that, even in the absence of an injury at some point, an increased risk of injury or the nature of the stress caused by these lifts makes them unadvisable. Is this the case? And if so, how do you decide when to stop? That's a very good question. That is, in fact, the case. That's exactly the case. Guy that's been doing the Olympic lifts, say Josh Wells, somehow gets to be 65. All right. He's been doing the Olympic lift since he was 13 years old. All right. He's going to be in a much better position to continue doing some version of the snatch and the clean and jerk, even as a master's athlete at the age of 65, because he's been doing them constantly his whole entire life. And the adaptations that need to be present in order to keep him from getting hurt doing them are present and have been present now let's say we start a guy in the gym at the age of 65 and he comes in and and he gets all excited and enthusiastic a lot of a lot like a lot of people do and he wants to start doing the snatch and the cleaning jerk i'm going to try to talk him out of that okay because and here's the here's the primary reason it's a it's a very concrete very real phenomenon that as you age the nature of your connective tissue composition changes the elastic proteins in tendons and ligaments go away as you age now josh at the age of 65 is going to have held on to more of those than somebody that has not been subjecting his tendons and ligaments to dynamic stresses. You don't want to hurt yourself in the gym based on things that don't produce that positive a return on the investment of time. Okay? A 65-year-old guy doesn't need to clean. He doesn't need to clean. He needs to be stronger. He will get more powerful as he gets stronger without having to resort to the display of power in training because of the power equation, right? Power equals force times distance over time. Force goes up, P goes up. Power went up accidentally without you having to do the clean. Okay, now why do we use cleans for younger guys? You know, 20-year-old guys need to do clean because they can and because we're training with barbells and because a lifter ought to know how to do all the lifts and you know there's some other you know i mean what we say in training is that if you as you you know if you're a younger guy as your strength goes up your ability to display strength in an explosive manner needs to be practiced along with trained and that's why we have everybody that can do the power clean. But if you get to the point where it presents a danger, a danger of injury to you, and it will at some point, then no, you don't need to power clean. Now, when does that occur? 
Well, I think it probably occurs somewhere in your 40s, probably somewhere in the late 40s. I think 38-year-old guys are probably not in a lot of danger from doing cleans and snatches. I think 48-year-old guys are in enough of an increased level of risk from doing these things that it might not be useful to just throw them in. I mean, if you've been doing them, yeah, sure. You'll know when to, you'll know when, you'll tweak something, right? Without just completely disarticulating a joint, you'll tweak something and you'll know that, well, maybe it's time to hang these explosive things up. But, uh, you know, if I was starting an older person out, I wouldn't have them clean. Right? If I'm starting a younger person out, I make them clean whether they want to or not. And if you at home were training and you'd rather do barbell rows than clean, you go right ahead. You just go ahead and do that. That's fine with me. I don't care. All right. If you want to puss out because you don't want to learn something you don't already know and you perceive that barbell rows are easier to learn, they're really not. They're timing dependent movement, too. Uh, you know, they're an explosive timing dependent movement. They're not as useful as cleans, but you know, I do them because I can't clean anymore, but I can do barbell rows because even though they're timing dependent and explosive, they represent a much lower risk of injury. Uh, but this is a decision that you've got to make for yourself. And, uh, I think that it's it's good to reflect on on that age cutoff thing, especially if you are in charge of someone else's training. Uh, an injured client is not what you want on your resume, and you take a, a an enthusiastic sixty five year old guy into your into your training stable and you fuck him up uh, it's not going to be good because it probably wasn't necessary now you know some people are insistent the guy wants to try it let him do light weights make damn sure that you understand how to coach the technique of these things but most people's reluctance to coach these things does not come from uh, an assessment of the risk. It comes from the fact that they don't want to bother to learn how to coach it. Simply all there is to it. Okay. Now, we have run through our subscribers, our beloved subscribers' questions, and what we now are faced with is a question from one of the normies, as we called them now. Hi, Rip. I'm 60-year-old male, 6 foot, 185. Just started LP. What should my priority be? Gaining strength or gaining muscle? <laughs> my body fat is 24% and waist is 36, so bit soft. Eating high-protein, relatively healthy diet. No previous barbell training. Would some coaching help? Thanks. 
Steve. Gaining strength or gaining muscle? Your priority, Steve, should be reading the book. Because you have not done that. Because had you read the book, you would understand that there is no difference between gaining strength and gaining muscle. It's in the book. Read the book. You can't gain strength without gaining muscle. And as you gain muscle, you are gaining strength. This is what you get into when you get away from our devoted subscribers. Yep. Nostromo. All right. Ooh, little bitty person had that on. Who was that, Rusty? Little yeah, Rusty's little head. Yeah, little Rusty, little tiny, little, tiny head. Rusty's tiny little head. head. He wears size seven shoes. Too. Oh, God damn it. I'm bleeping Does that he out. really? I'm bleeping that out. Don't you bleep that out. Don't bleep that out. Why do you think anyone cares what size shoes you wear, you fool? You don't mind them knowing you got a head the size of a fucking orange, but the shoes are a matter of pride to you, right? Hey, I know. Yelling at me across the gym. What size shoe you wear? I'm like, I'm not telling you. You're going to make fun of me. And as soon as I told him. He made fun of me. You deserve it. It's really size seven. I think what you need to do is get you some size nines and put on three or four pairs of socks. Him and If Bree. it's that important to you, that's what you need to do. Him and Bree Stuff can share, share shoes. Toilet paper in the toes. You wear a nine? Eight. Yeah, they could, they could share shoes. They're within a half size of yep. each other. Yep. Right? Because eight, that's eight women's. That's six and a half men's. And, yeah. and he wears a seven. They could share. That's precious. <laughs> you hope it's seven and a half. They make no, you hope it's nine. They and make half. men's shoes that small. I didn't know. It's a women's nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, this is great. okay. Have we had fun here today, or what? Of course. I hate the ending. Of <laughs> I just wish it could go on and on and on. Don't you? Thanks for being with us. On Starting Strength Radio, we'll see you next Fraudy.